dare, and it's this matter of, of we need to understand God wants us to engage in the spiritual battle as we live the Christian life, and this is something that we have to dare to do. Daniel, or excuse me, David, he dared to take on the giant in his day, and I'm praying that God will do the same thing and help you and help me to take on the giants that come our way. So look in your Bibles this morning in 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse number 45. The Bible says, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I am come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and, and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now we know the story. We're familiar with the story but this was a major task that God gave to, to David. I mean, it was, in many regards, it was something that was impossible. And I think about many times when I get around Christians, I've had it happen in my own life, that if I ask or God asks me to do something and it's small in nature, oftentimes I don't mind you know, that's something that I can look at, and, I, and I'll say something like this. I can do that, all right? That's something I can do. But if God sets a mountain in front of me or a giant in front of me, and it seems like something that is impossible, then many times here's what we do is we throw our hands up and we say, I can't do that. I, I don't want to touch that. There's no way Jose that that's going to happen. And that's what we do many times in our lives. But can I tell you this morning, we need to remember that we serve a God that is omniscient and that is omnipotent. And God is able to do great and mighty things. How many of you believe that this morning? Listen, listen do you really believe that our God is the God of David? Right? And if God could do it then, God can do it now, right? If, listen, if we don't believe that, there's no sense in having church. There's no sense in being a Christian or living the Christian life. But Jeremiah said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I wonder how many of us are going to be faced with some giants this year that we'll say to ourselves, there's no way. I can't defeat that. 
I can't overcome that. And yet God says, listen, I can do great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Those giants, if we have faith in God, guess what's going to happen this year? Those giants are going to fall for the cause of Christ. It's going to be an exciting thing. It, it, listen, it was God, as you study the word of God, that surrounded his prophet Elisha. And the Bible says that he answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, the lesson today is simple. David, in his life right now, was just a shepherd boy. And I don't, I don't mean no disrespect by that. But really, his occupation, what he had been involved in to this point, he was a shepherd boy. And David, in his life, was willing to do what the entire army of Israel was not willing to do. And that was to face a huge enemy, a giant that no one else would. And I want you to see three aspects about David that I hope will challenge you, provoke you and me this year. And I want you to see it starts with the challenge and the cause. The challenge and the cause. Again, we're, we're faced with, in life, challenges. Now, when you're faced with a challenge, there's one of two things you're going to do. One is you're going to confront that challenge. You know, like today, I'm thinking that the, what do they call them now, Brother Flynn? The Los Angeles, uh, what do they call them? Chargers, is that what they call them? The Los Angeles Chargers are thinking to themselves, I don't know if we could beat these Patriots. Yeah, yeah, they're giants, you know, the the sons of Anak, you know. And and they're thinking to themselves, I don't know if we could take these guys down. I mean, listen, they're thinking it would be great to win, you know, it would be awesome to knock off the Patriots, but the reality is it's the odds are against them, you know. If you're a, and I'm not, but if you're a betting person, the chances are that you're going to go for someone that has been proven, somebody that, Brother Flynn, how many times have they won the? See, he knows, he knows all these things, but he doesn't know any Bible. See, it's it's amazing. (laughs) But here's the thing is, there's giants and, 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 you know, the Chargers, they're preparing for this game, but, you know, they're just not sure. But David understood that there was a challenge before him, and David chose to confront that challenge. But can I tell you that many times, if we don't confront, then guess what we're going to do? We're going to ignore that challenge, or better yet, watch this. We're going to hope somebody else steps up to the challenge. You know, maybe somebody else. You know, the the army of Israel, they, they, they just, day in and day out, they heard the giant. They heard him mocking They heard the blasphemy against God, and yet what did they do? Nobody moved. Nobody understood that there's a cause. Somebody needs to do something. And so I find here, first of all, that David was willing to take on the challenge. He he was, first of all, and by the way, this is a good thing, David was willing to speak up. I, I wonder when you have an opportunity, or whether it's out in public, it's on your job, Maybe it's at a restaurant. I don't know where it's at. I wonder how many of you would be willing to speak up for the Lord today. You know, when we go out to eat, and I'm not saying when it's time to to pray for your food that you got to pray so the whole restaurant hears your prayer. But listen, there's nothing wrong with bowing your head and praying out loud and just asking the Lord 
just thanking him for the food that you're about to eat, for the blessings of God. You know, somebody, somebody just might see you or hear you praying. And they might come over and say, are you kidding me? Did you just pray? Well, yes, I did. I always pray and thank God for my food. And I wonder who would be willing to speak up for the Lord today. See, that was the challenge. David, I'm glad that, first of all, David spoke up, but here's the best part is he not only spoke up, but he was willing to act. David, look, look, you gotta, you got to put some feet to your words. You know, don't just be a hearer, be a doer of the Word of God. David spoke up, but he was willing to act. The entire army, they weren't willing to do anything with Goliath, but David's heart, it was stirred up. Listen, does anybody else's heart get stirred up when you see all the evil going on in the world? It just, it, 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 listen, now, it, listen, I'm not going to worry about it because I know God's in control, but I don't think this is, I don't think there's ever really been a day that God wants his children, Christians, to bury their head in the sand. I think that God always wants us, and I'm not saying uh, being uh, boisterous and being arrogant and all those types of things. I'm just saying, listen, people who are living a sinful lifestyle, they don't have a problem coming out of the closet. They don't have a problem saying what they want to say. Where are the people of God that would stand up and say something for the Lord in the day that we live in? And David was willing to speak up and willing to act. He was stirred. We need some Davids today that'll stand for the Lord. In our day, John F. Kennedy said, great crises produce great men and great deeds of courage. I think he hit, it, hit the nail on the head. The challenge is that we face, and you, maybe you'll face some today, maybe you'll face some this week, maybe next year, I don't know, but the challenges of our lives, here's what they do. They prepare us. Well, what do they prepare us for? Future opportunities. You remember, remember David in his life, how David faced the lion and he faced the bear, and now he's standing in front of this giant, and he's thinking to himself, this guy's nothing. He says, I, I, I took on a lion. Anybody else can say that? Anybody else got that on their resume? You know, I took down a bear. You know, David didn't take some, some bear gun with him, you know. He didn't have a muzzle loader. You know, David with his bare hands, with a stone in, in, in a sling, he took down these animals. And David says, who's this guy? He's just loud mouth. Instead of growling or roaring like a lion, he's just spewing all kinds of things against my God. As a matter of fact, at least the lion and the bear, I mean, they might have spoke to David whenever he was trying to take them down. But David didn't understand what they were saying, but he was understanding what this giant was saying. That's right. So when, when you look at this, I love to think about how God gives us these challenges. He prepares us for future opportunities. But when the challenges come, we have to face them. But with God's help, guess what? We can overcome them. Look at the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation, no giant, nothing that comes in your life. It says here, taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. You ought to underline those words because no matter what comes your way, guess what's going to happen? God is still faithful when those giants come. And it says he will not suffer you to be tempted above that year able, but will with that temptation, that giant, that challenge, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God's gonna, with God's help, we can win the victory. And we can face the challenges. Even in times of crisis, the Lord is 
trying to prepare you and me for something greater than ourselves. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Instead of running from the giant or ignoring the challenges in your life, face it. You know, uh, go right at that. With God's help, you can overcome it. And David was willing to take on the challenge. But look at letter B. David was zealous for the cause. David's brothers were there, a couple of them. And the oldest brother, Eliab, you know, he's, you got it, you got it, you can sense there was definitely brotherly love there, you know, I mean, it's like, I know thy naughtiness, I know your pride, I know why you're here, well, I'll tell you, Eliab, why he was there, because his daddy sent him there, that's why he was there, Uh, he, he went there because his dad sent him on an errand, and he was obeying his father's wishes, and he had food, listen, you don't want to argue with somebody and get on somebody that's bringing you food. You know, I learned a long time ago, you don't chastise the cook. You know, if you men enjoy lunch, then you better be like my father-in-law. Every time my, my mother-in-law could open a can of Spam and not even cook it and put it on a plate and set it in front of him, and he would say this, Oh, Jude, this is the best meal you've ever <laughs> I'm telling you, God is my witness. It didn't. Now, my mother-in-law could cook. But it didn't matter what she said on the table. He said that every time. Oh, Jude. I could hear him. This, this is the best. And I'm like, this man is a smart man. You know? Because I'm going to tell you something. Canned beans and, and uh, microwavable meals is not the way to go, you know? And, and David, he was zealous. Here's his brothers. And, you know, to some degree, I honestly feel like and maybe, maybe you feel the same way. I almost feel like David's brothers, maybe especially the oldest, was embarrassed when David showed up. When David said, isn't there a cause? Why aren't you guys standing idle? Why isn't somebody doing something? And you know how it is when, when you feel embarrassed, the flesh takes over and then you begin to kind of get whatever with the person that says that. David didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't chiding them. He was saying, why, why doesn't somebody do something? And a lot of times I think to myself, why, is it, why are not more Christians on the front lines? Why don't more Christians take up their arms? Paul said, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished my course. You know, the book of Acts says, I, I finished my course with joy in the ministry which the Lord has given to me. And, and we, we need to have zeal for God. David's response, when he says that his brother uh, kind of gets on him, he says, what have I done? I mean, I'm just, I'm just inquiring. I'm just acting. Listen, if what I ask uh, causes you to feel embarrassed or ashamed or whatever, then so be it. David didn't say that to make his brother feel that way, but nonetheless, it must have cut. You know, some, listen, the truth is what people need to hear. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know why, you know why God's blessed Bible Baptist Church for, for uh, 69 years almost? It's because we've always stood by the truth of the Word of God. But I will tell you, and it's been this way since the days of Jesus, on all the way back to the garden, the truth is never popular. People don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear something that's going to make them feel warm and fuzzy, good about themselves. 
But David says, look, what have I done? I mean, I love it. I would have loved to have been there and see David. You know, I'd love to get around people that have a zeal for God. People that, that just, they're enthusiastic and they have a passion for God. They, you can sense that there's a fervor there. There's a fire burning in their bones for the cause of Christ. And I think about Jesus. Remember when Jesus went into the temple? And he did it many times, but there was two occasions when he went into the temple and people had gone in and set up tables and they were exchanging money in the house of God. Do you remember what Jesus did? Anybody remember? Yeah. He made a whip, didn't he? People say, man, Jesus blew a gasket, you know? Jesus, Jesus went off, uh, you know, on some tantrum. But you remember what he said? My father's house is not a house of merchandise. Sometimes people don't understand whenever I make comments like, listen, I'm not against it, but God's house is not to be a place where, and listen, I hope you understand my heart, but if you sell Mary Kay or Amway or whatever it is nowadays, the house of God is not a place to, to come in and sell your wares. Sometimes people wonder, you know, hey, pastor, what, you know, I've been to other churches where they, they give out the entire church roster. Why don't we do that? I've, I've walked into churches, true story, I've walked into churches where they leave those rosters sitting on a table in the foyer. And do you know that while church is going on, people who are not even a part of the church will come into the church, pick those up, and guess what? They've got a whole list of Christian people now that they can solicit, they can call them and badger them about whatever it is they want to sell them. In other words, the reason I don't do that is because I'm trying to protect you, which what God's given me is God's given me the oversight. I'm the under shepherd. And listen, I want, when people come to God's house, I don't want them to feel like, hey, somebody's going to ask me to buy something. I hope their heart is, I come to God's house to worship the Lord. You know, Jesus had a zeal. He, he says, the zeal of thine house had eaten me up. And look, do we have a zeal for the work of God, to further the work of God. Are we passionate today to defend our God? I hope you are. I hope in your heart you're saying, is there not a cause? Isn't there a reason to live the Christian life? Look, God saved you and left you here for some reason. Would you agree? Otherwise, God would have saved you and called you home to be with him. So God's given you purpose. He has a will for your life. And we see that, that David saw the challenge and he understood the cause. But then notice number two, I see the courage and the confidence. See, listen, we can understand the challenge. We can face the challenge and we can understand and in our heart be passionate about the cause. But we've got to take those steps forward. David spoke up, but then he, he put something, his feet to, to action. He began to do something. Notice David had courage in God's presence. Did you understand what I just said? I didn't say David had he had courage in David. I didn't say David believed in David. David thought that he could take down this giant on his own. No, David had courage in God's presence. He, he again, had courage as a shepherd with the lion and the bear. He knew that it was the Lord that had helped him do these things in the past. There's no denying that David knew that he, he could have never uh, killed that lion, killed that bear, had it not been for the Lord. How many of you would say in the past that things have happened and you know there, uh, there is no doubt in your mind that what happened, it happened because it was the Lord? 
right? And, you know, when I was in Bible college and, uh, and, and I was part of a great church during that time, my pastor, when I was in Bible college, he used to have this one day that he would do every year. It was just an annual day that he would do every year. And he called it DTA Day. And the first time I saw it in the bulletin, I thought, what is DTA Day? And DTA stands for Do That Again. And it was a day where they just celebrated that what God had done in the past, we are asking God to do it again. And listen, if God has done something in your life in the past, like helping you with a lion and a bear, if God can do that then, guess what? God can do it now, right? right. Amen? So when we think about this, David knew the Lord had helped him. He showed courage that day when he stood face to face with this giant of a man named Goliath. Elisha was another man, the prophet of God. He wasn't afraid because just like uh, David, he knew and he had confidence that God would protect him. Look at the Bible, it says Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I know thee, I know thee. Open my, uh, his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. What a, what a great thought there that God is saying to not only to Elisha, but to us, that if we would ask God, listen, ask the Lord to open our eyes to his presence. How many of you believe God's here today? Because God promised that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he has promised to be here. The Lord is in this place. And we need to ask God, open mine eyes so that I can see, I can sense your presence. You know what? You're going you're gonna to act and behave differently when you know God's here. When you know God is in this place. We'll find when God's with us, we'll find the courage to do what God would have us to do. Boy, it's easy when God's with me because guess what? I can't do it, but he can. I mean, this giant, he's nine foot six, but my God's bigger than that. You know, there's nothing that God can place before us. The presence of God, you know what it does? It brings unspeakable peace in the life of a believer, in our hearts, knowing God's with me. You know, Paul, when he was on trial, as he was heading towards Rome, Paul said, the Lord stood by me. Just think of that. You could, listen, you might be called into question. You might be called to court. You might be called into your boss's office. But listen, you're not going in there alone. The presence of the Lord. I asked two of the men yesterday after we had the barbecue, I said, hey, listen, and this is how I said it. I have, I have something for you. Now, whenever somebody says, I have something for you, I'm thinking, guess what? They have something for me. So I said to these two men, hey, listen, before you leave, I have something for you. And both of them were like, oh, boy. What did I do? You know, well, first of all, Patrick, they don't work for me, so it's not a pink slip, you know. And here I am, I actually had something nice to give them. And they're like, and I'm thinking, what is it about the human nature that automatically thinks bad? Or maybe it's just me. I'm just this big ogre that would never do something nice or good for somebody. 
that if I say I have something for you, it's a paddle and it's some switches, you know, to, to let you, uh, I don't know, you know. And so when I, when, when I went to these men and I handed it to them, these gifts, they looked at it and they're like, oh, it's something nice. Do you know that anytime the Lord's with us, it's something nice? See, David had courage. You know why he had courage? Because God was there with him. Listen, when you face whatever it is you're going to face today or this week or this year or, or maybe in the days to come, guess what? You're not there alone. God is there with you. And we see that David had the courage, but notice David also had confidence in God's power. We need to make sure that our confidence is like David, that it's properly placed. David's confidence was not in himself. Listen, God's called me to preach, and in just 30 minutes, I'm going to be standing in this pulpit preaching the Word of God. But listen, if my confidence is in myself and in my flesh, nothing of eternal significance is going to happen. And David, when he faced off with this giant, when he stood this challenge for the cause of Christ, David had confidence, but it was in the Lord. It was placed properly. Somebody said, faith does not exist in a vacuum. It's placed in something. Or could I expand his statement? I believe faith is placed in someone. Because our faith this morning is not in the church. It's not in some creed. It's definitely not in the White House. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus. David had properly placed confidence. The world believes in things like the power of positive thinking, but the Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. You know, listen, I just, have you learned by now you can't trust people, right? You know, and by the way, I, I'm your pastor. I'm just a man. I put my pants on the same way you do. Don't put your confidence in me. Put your confidence in the Lord. Because if your confidence is in the Lord, when I make mistakes, and I will, you'll never be disappointed because instead of looking at me, you're always looking at him. Do I need to say that again? Has anybody else ever had their hopes dashed by some person? Do you know why a lot of people don't come to churches today? Because some preacher did something wrong. Right? Anybody been down that road? And you know what I love about our church is, is that although things have happened in the past, I believe with all my heart, when I came, I found a group of people that had their eyes on the Lord. They were trusting in what God could do. Their confidence was in the Lord. David knew his confidence, his strength came from the Lord. Paul said the same thing. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, my, my physical strength, it only goes so far. The older I get, <laughs> every day I get up and I'm like my dad's old pickup truck. There's a different screak and, and, and noise. You know, I, I can't ride in a vehicle. My wife will say, what's that noise? <laughs> you know, every day, what's that noise? I haven't heard that noise. You know, and my, dad, my dad's truck, every time I go around a corner, the weight shifts on it and I can hear it go. And I was like, was that the truck or me? You know, <laughs> but David's confidence it was in the power of God. Uh, the Bible says, thanks be to God, which giveth, the victory, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love uh, reading the accounts of the man by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller was a man of great confidence in God and God's provision and God's supplies. And 
And uh, one of the accounts that I read this past week was when, uh, of course, uh, George Mueller, if you know anything about him, he had uh, orphanages that helped uh, boys and girls that were less fortunate, and he would take them in. And, and listen, many of those orphanages were full, they were packed, and uh, they had to have supplies, they had to have food and various things. And many times uh, they had no, no resources of their own, and God would always provide and supply. And, and he didn't have all these places that, that sent things in. There was one, one day that they, they got up in the morning and somebody came and told Mueller, they said, listen, we don't have any food uh, for breakfast to make for the boys and girls. And, and they, it, the account goes that uh, Mueller told them all to sit down at the table. All these hungry boys and girls are sitting at the table. There's no food. And, and they're all sitting there. And by the way, these boys and girls had seen it before and they would see it again and again and again. And these boys and girls, even though they're children, they were just sitting patiently at the table. They weren't complaining. They weren't griping. They had already seen how God had been working through the life of George Mueller. And so George Mueller was praying. He prayed just like he'd pray if there was food on the table and there was a knock at the door. And it was the, the guy that worked for, drove the truck for the dairy. He knocked on the door and he said to uh, Brother Mueller, he said, he said, hey, listen, he says, can you use some milk? And he says, uh, well, matter of fact, we can. He says, well, I've got all this milk and something happened with the delivery. His, he was on this, his way there and the truck broke down and he said, all this milk's gonna spoil. And so they brought it in. They had, they had more milk than they knew what to do with. They, then, then there was another knock on the door not too long after that, and it was, a, it was a baker who told Mueller that God woke him up in the middle of the night, and he went to the bakery and made an entire batch of bread just to bring to the orphanage. Time and time again, George Mueller understood, and I hope you do today, that God's supplies are infinite and that God's power is limitless. There is nothing that our God cannot do. Listen, we serve the same God of George Mueller. His supplies to us are infinitive. Uh, his, his power is limitless. David understood the challenge, and he accepted it, and he lived for the cause. And he, he, listen, his courage was in the Lord. His confidence was in his God. But then notice number three, I see the conflict and the conquest. Now, here's the thought is that there's no victory without the conflict. Brother Flynn, one of those two teams today isn't going to have a W unless they play the game. Do you understand that this morning? In your life as a Christian, you're, you're not going to see victory without a conflict, without a challenge. There has to, you have to engage. There has to be something that helps you to get there so that you can win the victory. So notice what is David, when he thinks of it and he thinks of the conflict, David used God's weapons in the conflict. David used God, God's weapons. I believe this, when, when Saul, when David stepped forward and said, is there not a cause? If you remember the text, I think this, that remember how they tried to put Saul's armor on David? Remember that? And, and Saul wasn't as big as Goliath, but he was a big man. But guess what? David was substantially smaller than Saul. So they tried to put his armor on David, and David says, I haven't proved this, and so he put it off. I really believe that Saul meant well. I, I believe, you know, he, he offered his armor to David, but here's the thought is, David, he knew right away that instead of trying to use something that wasn't his, 
that he needed to use what was at his disposal, what he had used in the past. David had a staff and a sling and a stone. Remember what the giant said to, to David? He kind of mocked him. He says, you're coming to me with, you know, with a sling and with a staff and stone? I mean, seriously, this is warfare, buddy. You know, you're coming at me with a pea shooter? I mean, don't you see how big I am? Don't you understand what my spear weighs? How I've got, I've got somebody in front of me and my shield? I mean, this is, this is real warfare. Uh, the children are over there, you know, go play with the children. This is real stuff here. But when you think of David, David, he says, look, I, I, these things haven't been tried. They haven't been tested. In other words, in a sense, David's kind of saying this, they're not approved of God. Now, David knew that his sling and stones were approved of God because God had used them before, right? I, you know, sometimes I, I read and I, I, I even know people who they know what works. I'll tell you what works. The Bible. The Word of God works. But so many people today, churches, pastors, Christians, they don't want the Bible. They want to get away from what God has proven. They want to try some new methodology, some, so, something that, hey, what about this? Let's try this. Hey, why don't we do this? Let's have a rock concert and call it church. Can I just tell you that God saved me out of that? It wasn't working for me when I was a teenager, and guess what? It's still not going to work. The Word of God is effectual. The Word of God changes people's lives. Saul said unto David, right before David goes down to meet the, the giant, how about this to encourage somebody? He says to David, he says, well, thou art but a youth. That's a good way to make you feel good. You know, you're going to face a giant in your life, and Saul says, you know, well, you're just, but guess what? It didn't bother David. Why? Because David's confidence was in the right place. David's confidence wasn't in how big he was. I mean, even, even, even Samuel had a hard time. He's like, this is the one you want, God? Remember when he saw Eliab and then he went to the next brother and the next brother? And he's like, well, surely this is the one. Surely this is the one. And then they, and then they go get David and Saul, Samuel's like, that's him? That's the one? That's kind of the way I felt when God called me to preach. I felt like little David, you know. But that's, that was what God wanted. David's confidence was in the right place. Look at Romans 8.31. This verse is a great verse. If God be for us, who can be against us? How many of you believe God's on your side today? How many of you believe you're on the winning side? Right? And if God be for us, who can be against us? Jesus said... I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yes, sir. That's right. Amen for that. Think about it. There's no one more powerful than God. If God be for us, David, the conflict, yeah, it was there. But the Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful. When Jesus faced off with the devil in the wilderness, what was his weapon? The word of God. Three times he quoted scripture to the devil. And what did the devil do after he quoted scripture to him? Anybody remember? He left. And angels come and attended unto him. See, we, we think to ourselves, 
Boy, when the giants come, when I'm faced with things, what am I going to do? We start wringing our hands. We want to go to some worldly psychiatrist. No, no, no. Go to the Word of God. Get your nose in the pages of God's Word because the Word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God's Word still works. That's why I'm glad we're a Bible church, because the Word of God changes lives. But listen, as much as we understand the Word of God works, guess what? There's a person called Satan. You know what he wants to do with the Bible? He wants to twist it and distort it and change it, make it of less effect. Remember the account in the garden? Hath God said? Yeah, buddy, God said it. Get thee behind me, Satan. See, I find here that David used the weapons in the conflict, God's weapons, but notice also David gave God the glory. He gave God the glory. David says, listen, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to take your head off. And he says, and all the earth is going to know that there's a God in heaven. (laughs) And you know what? They had to realize that when the whole army of the Philistines fled, all because of some little ruddy boy took the head off of their nine-foot-six giant of a man, then everybody knew, listen, there is no way that little boy just did what he did without the help of something or someone. And David says, listen, all the earth is going to know. David knew there was a cause. He wanted everyone, everywhere to know. And here's what he wanted them to know. Not that David did it. He wanted them to know that his God did it. See, God was the real champion. When David killed the giant, he gave God the glory for the victory. Christian, listen, this morning, you need to do the same thing. When God does something in your life, deflect all the praise to where it belongs. Give God the glory. Great things he hath done. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. The Bible says this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. When I look at 1 Samuel 17, I love this, this chapter. I promise you, I'm not going to spend the entire year in 1 Samuel 17. I could, but I won't. But here's what I, when I looked at this chapter and was preparing for today, the chapter begins with Goliath holding his head up in his pride, spewing out all of his arrogancies. But watch this, when the chapter ends, David is holding the head of Goliath. (laughs) Just think of that. I know some of you aren't as cynical as I am, but I can just see the blood dropping down off of that head. That giant, listen, can I tell you this? Goliath was much shorter at the end of 1 Samuel 17. (laughs) I know that's kind of morbid. But listen, we still have a cause, do we not? There's still a cause. There's still giants, and with God's help, we can have the courage and the strength to face those. We, God's given us, what did he say? Put on the whole armor of God. Look at it. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor, not just the helmet, not just the breastplate, all of it. Say, so, I, I don't know, will it fit? Yes. God's made it just for you, just for me. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of who? The devil. So how many of you would dare to be a David 
and stand against the giants in your day. See, God can help you. And here's the best part. As David went down there to face that giant, what the giant didn't realize was David didn't come by himself. He had the presence of God right there with him. Whatever you go through, God goes through it with you. How many of you are glad for that? You can find comfort in that, right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the encouragement this morning from the Word of God through the life of David. And Lord, I pray that the giants in our lives would fall because of you, because of your power, because of your strength. Lord, help us to not have confidence in ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.